Today we're going to talk about knowing the power of prayer and fasting. I have a few scriptures. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 5 says, When you pray, you must not like, be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners that may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But verse, verse 6 says, this, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He says, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Would you say that with me? But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then Jesus launches right into the Lord's Prayer right there. Right after that. He, he just makes another comment or two, and then he goes, pray like this, guys. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want heaven invading your world. You want God's will. You don't want to hold too tightly to something that can ruin you. You don't want that. You want Him. I've learned a while back that the answer uh, to every prayer, literally, is more of the Lord involved. And, and helping me do your will. That's the more of the Lord help me be what you want me to be. This is the pattern. There's a, there's a secret and then there's a reward. Let's look at uh, verse the next one, uh, Matthew six sixteen through 18. When you fast, do not be gloomy. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. But truly, I say they've received their reward. But here's verse 17. Everybody read it with me. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen, not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So there's that again. Now, let's go to um, Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 says this. Is this not the fast? This is just verse 6. I'm not going to go over the whole chapter. We're just going to kind of skip through here a little bit. But this is a very powerful, very powerful understanding of the, the, the reward that releases into the heart of a believer. This is that reward side. This is beautiful. He says, is this not the fast I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Wow. To loose. If there's something got a hold on you, it'll be loosed through the fasting time. To undo the straps of the yoke. We always think about lifting off the yoke. He says, I'm going to undo the straps. That thing that wants to cinch up on you and tighten you back into a, a place that's hard for you to maneuver, that hell has a way back in that's tightening you up. I'm going to, I'm going to lo loose this. I'm going to let, cause those straps to be broken. I'm going to let the oppressed go free. I heard a hallelujah, but I don't know if it was, I think it was in, deep in somebody's heart. <laughs> And this is, and then I'm going to break every yoke. Here's the question. Do you need Father God's help? Is there anybody in here? Is there a place in your life that you need his power 
and His grace? Is there something in your life that you need to be loosed from? Is there a strap that tightens a yoke to your soul? Is there a need for freedom from a point of oppression? The word oppression means broken, bruised, crushed, and discouraged. Would you like to be free from whatever place of brokenness? Free from every, every place of bruising? Free from every place of discouragement? This fast is designed to loose, undo, free, and break. To loose, undo, free, and break the hindrances. Ah, let's just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You'll be released from bonds of wickedness, straps of the yoke. And I already had a word this morning already that I feel like the Lord said, they feel like they've run out of love, but He says, I'm just getting started loving through them. Your capacities are to be a channel for the Lord to flow through. Your capacity is to be a vessel of honor and get rid of every dishonor thing and let Him manifest and then you're made useful for the Master. Hallelujah. Seasoned, mature believers love unhindered because they've received love unhindered. So now I want to take a quick step back. What is the end result of your uh, salvation? And uh, some people would say, you know, if, if you're kind of a lightweight in this area, this is a good answer, but it's not the whole answer, but it's part answer. Heaven, yeah, the end result of our salvation is heaven. The thief on the cross would agree. People who come to the Lord late in life and sometimes in the closing moments of their earthly life, they would all agree. People who've resisted Jesus their whole, whole life and then finally on their deathbed realizing, what have I done? And the Lord says, I'm still here. You can still choose me, and I want you to. And people know, I, no, no, don't, don't, don't slip off into an eternity of darkness and hell torment. Come to me. That's why I died. I don't want that none should perish. Precious in the sight of the Lord at the death of his saints. Psalm 116, 15. But what is really the end result of our salvation? I believe Father God longs for you. This is so good. I don't know how, when you learn this, but Father God longs for you to actually know his love and to be, know that he cherishes you. This is eternity. It's about Father God saying, I want you to know that I deeply love you so thoroughly and so fully. I've designed you to be loved, and I'm, I'm the one that fills you up with that love. This is what eternity in him is about. This is what salvation is about. Salvation is actually about encountering or experiencing a person who is love. This is what it is. It's not about, oh, I'm going to have experience outside of that. No, it's actually coming to the person. Salvation is coming to the Savior who loves you. That's the encounter. The encounter is he's going to pour out his love. Even though you know you, you, you already know you're messed up. He, he's, he's, he goes, oh, that's okay, that's okay. I already know that. This is eternal life that they may know you, Jesus prayed, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus is the way. He's not going to show you a way. He is the way. He's, he is the truth. He's not going to show you a truth. He is the truth. When you come to Jesus, you come to the truth of the universe. The reality of the universe is Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to give you the life. It's not a life. It's me. I am the life. I'm going to give you life. I'm not just going to, not just going to take a, a, what, a, good, a bad person and make them good. I'm going to take a dead person and make them alive. 
So what is the end result of our salvation? Knowing Father God like Jesus does. That's really the end result. It's knowing the Father like Jesus knows the Father. And two, becoming like Christ himself. This is what salvation is. The end result of your salvation is, yes, you'll be in eternity with him. But he wants you to know him. The beauty of knowing him. The power of knowing him in this life. And then we become in, there's two expressions of Christ-like behavior. Being, being like the Lord and doing like Him. I'm going to put up a crazy sentence right now. The resting pulse of the person who does not know Father God through Jesus Christ is hostility toward God. The resting pulse of every person who does not know the Lord is hostility, agitation. Colossians 1, 21-22, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. You and I, still have some hostility in the realm of our soul. Look at Romans 8, 7 and 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. For the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Who in the world would think that a person could just come and stand before Jesus and sing and a miracle be released? And he does that. And you've, you've encountered it right here. We sing and give Him praise and then suddenly power from on high comes and changes this and that and battle armaments that were put on to protect ourselves drop off and we become different people. And works of the flesh that are, I've got to make it all happen on my own because I've got to protect me and I've got to figure out me. The orphan mentality is overthrown. And you become spiritually minded and you become a daughter, a son, who's loved. And you begin to inch by inch learn the ways of submitting and walking with the Lord and trusting Him. And there's something of an ache in our hearts to where I was let down before. But I don't know if I, if I stretch out. Somebody let me down before, but I'm going to step past that. And He's going to overthrow the fear. How many of you have Realize the hostility is still there. There's some stuff in there, yeah. That's why we have to be renewed. The heart attitude is transformed by the renewal of the mind. Therefore, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Everybody say bodies. Everybody say bodies. One more time. Three is good of your work for me, I think. Bodies. Present your bodies. The thing about the spiritual life is it's a physical life. Everything about the gospel deals with the body. 
You come and you bring your body as a living sacrifice. The only problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. But bring your body as a living sacrifice, which is as is, uh, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Next verse. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Transformed. This is the metamorphosis. This word is actually the metamorphosis. This is where the butterfly. Whoa! You come out of that little squirrely crawly thing, and you it is like you transform. You transform the, by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God, the good and acceptable perfect will. And so he takes people like me and you. Let's look at Acts 4.13. Now when the Pharisees, the religious leaders, saw that uh, the, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Because what? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. There's another thing I put up here. Jesus' toolbox of spiritual renewal includes praying, reading, meditating, worshiping, including praise, thanksgiving, praying in the Spirit, and proclaiming Scriptures. This is His toolbox. Now, the next one encapsulates why we're here this morning. In the midst of this is a practice that enhances all tools of renewal, and that is fasting. Fasting doesn't get God to love you more. Fasting opens up your heart to being loved more. There's never an earning anything. It's always making a greater capacity in your heart for the work of the Holy Spirit to increase and expand what God can do. Let me say this. When you're fasting and you're coming off a fast and you take a strawberry, that strawberry is like a super strawberry. That strawberry tastes so good, there's strawberries. The idea of strawberry filled the universe. And God says, now that you haven't eaten one for a while, Behold, and, you, and strawberry fills your, your inner being, and there's an explosion of goodness. Now watch this. When you're fasting, let's use the metaphor of the strawberry. The Lord shows you His kindness, and it explodes inside of you. And the revelation of His capacity to love, and it tastes so good, and it's so filling and so deep and so powerful that the personality of Jesus becomes so enhanced and so beautiful. And who He is is so, it's etched and marked in ways inside of you. Oh my gosh, how wonderful He is. First time in the New Testament that fasting is mentioned. I just think this is beautiful. It's the 84-year-old Anna the prophetess who is worshiping in the temple with prayer and fasting when Joseph and Mary came to dedicate baby Jesus. <laughs> we're we're going to finish here in just a second, and then we're going to shift gears. How many of you, this is wetting your appetite? That's kind of funny, isn't it? That's like an oxymoron. How's that going to happen? 
it's going to cause you to have an appetite for the things of God, for the love of God, for, the, for being with Him. Everybody say solitude. Say quiet. See, when I was, when I was uh, you know, because of uh, abuse as a child, I had a lot of static on my channel, and I couldn't be alone in a room without turning on a radio or TV or something for a long, long, long time. And then uh, the Lord began to work deeply within me because that pain was so loud, it created this, just, it was bad in there. And I didn't know how to do it. But the Lord began to initiate loving healing. And when he began to take that, the pain of the abuse and all that out of me, I began to, see, I, I couldn't sit down. And maybe during this time, you, you maybe be like me where you just can't sit down and uh, be happy all alone with just you and God. But you will after the fast. He can come and take, he can unloose the bonds of wickedness. He can set the, the oppressed free. Everything that crushed and bruised you, he'll take that. He can take, he'll take that for you. He'll break the straps that want to cinch you up to that yoke. He'll overthrow that. He'll just break the yoke apart. I'm proof. And so if we step into this season, yes, there are other people. You might just be the total, most total, perfectly, I'm not being facetious, but you might just be like, I don't really have a lot of work. I, well, then do it for somebody else. Because I'm telling you, when you, you're, you're fasting and, and you're praying for your family or for other people, it starts to loose their bonds of wickedness. Starts to set their oppression free. Starts to break the yokes off of their life. How many of you know that's true? So, really quickly, there's a one-day fast. There's a three-day fast. I won't go three-day fast with Esther. Remember Esther? And they they said don't no food or drink. They, it was desperate. The nation was about to be destroyed. All the Jews were about to be annihilated. And she called for a three-day fast and. Uh, God turned it around in the gallows that Haman made to kill Mordecai. Now Haman's hung on it. You know, God turned that thing around. Seven-day fast, it was uh, mentioned uh, that was um, after uh, a, a death of a person. They fasted. Ten-day fast is uh, one that uh, Daniel also did. Uh, Fourteen days, Apostle Paul was doomed on the the ship, and uh, they hadn't eaten for... They decided... <laughs> Years ago, I love this. Donald Moore, a really sweet, precious, prophetic friend of mine. Just love this guy to pieces. He's one of those guys where uh, the Lord will show him like a person in another state. The situation they're in is not good, and he'll get in his car and drive over there. You know what I mean, it's one of these guys. And I mean, they're still around, you know, these guys. Anyway, he said, yeah, I didn't have any food, so I decided I better fast. <laughs> I didn't have any groceries, so I thought, I would have committed to fasting. I thought, oh, God, this guy's hilarious. But the Lord started working at it because he decided, I'm not going to just be hungry. I'm going to fast. I'm going to turn it into a spiritual thing. Uh, there's a 21-day fast and a 40-day fast. And so the 21-day, that's what we're doing. And there's uh, different reasons. Some of the reasons are, here we go, repentance, uh, facing uh, some kind of a war. There was uh, When a loved one it was sick. There's a different reasons in the Bible when someone had died, when seeking forgiveness, when afraid for their lives, when seeking clear direction. Those are some of the biblical reasons.
It's going to change this time. You know, when I get stuff, I don't have no clue what it means. I don't have the backstory, but I have a sentence. That's good, isn't it? Just say, it's going to change this time. It's going to change this time. Now let's just lift our heads before the Lord. We're going to shift gears here. Father God, we thank You for the sweeping through, releasing love, pouring vision, blessing us. We want to take every moment of every quote-unquote hunger pain and turn it into praise you, Jesus. I want to be close to you. As we walk into these starting tomorrow to the, 20, to the 31st of January, we pray for a dynamic. Lord, I want to see literally like artillery, spiritual artillery begin to, to blow and explosions of spiritual power begin to take down strongholds and liberate, not only in here, but Lord, in our community, even in the nation, we're asking because there's many. Lord, we're joining with a, one denomination. There's many, many, many fasting for a lot of the reasons. So we want to join the multitude. Say, I agree in Jesus' name. Amen.